Welcome to Health Rants. Join us and learn how not to let healthcare rip you off or kill you. Together, we will explore the secrets of healthcare and give you insight on how to make a better and informed decision about your health and your healthcare. I'm Dr. Bob Braille. I'm a chiropractor for over 40 years, and I've seen it and heard it all. So welcome to our podcast, Health Rants. Hi, I'm Dr. Bob Braille, your host of Health Rants, and welcome. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the COVID-19 situation that we're in. Obviously, it's captivating the news. It's uh, something you cannot go on television without watching a story on it or hearing something about it on a news show. But I wanted to add some, maybe some sense to it, maybe some insight uh, from a standpoint of looking at something a little bit differently. Now, obviously, this is a tragedy. It's a terrible thing. Our economies have been closed down. A lot of people are hurting. A lot of people have gotten sick. In fact, as I'm recording this, and you might be hearing it a week or two after the recording, there were almost or over 2.5 million cases in the United States, uh, positive cases of COVID-19 and over 125,000 deaths in the United States alone. Now, these are horrendous numbers, and I'm not going to be getting into the specifics of any policies or politics regarding why we're at that level. I'm just going to be dealing with it as a, uh, an entity, a sickness, a, a viral pandemic. And I thought I might look at it just a little bit from the standpoint of, is there a, a glimmer at this? Is there a hope at this? Uh, yesterday, I was listening to one of the news programs, and they had one of the uh, scientists online there, I mean, on their program. He had mentioned something about, you know, we're looking for a vaccine, uh, hopefully by early next year. And, you know, a lot of people are hanging their hats on that. And newscasters every day, when we get a vaccine, it'll be solved. And then the guy who was uh, from the CDC, actually, who was talking about it said, you're a goal would be about a 50% efficiency. And I thought about that, I said, 50%? He said, yeah, the normal virus is between 40 and 60%. That's what we aim for. So we'll be aiming right in the middle of that for 50%. Meaning if they put out a vaccination, it might be 50% effective, but we don't know that yet. And we don't know what other issues might arise from that. But I'm not going to even deal with that today. That's a different story. What I want to look at is the actual effect the virus is having on the population in general. Now, when this first thing first came to the United States, I mean, some of us watched the news about it hitting Italy and what was going on over there, but I, I think it really hit home when it came to the United States and especially when it first hit New York City. I mean, that was the first real epicenter of uh, mass carnage, if you will. The, the city had to shut down. We saw hospitals being filled up. We had healthcare workers on television every night crying about people dying and only being able to FaceTime their family before they go. Uh, we saw storage trucks, refrigerated storage trucks filled with bodies. You know, they were talking digging massive graves. They were adding makeshift hospitals for overflow. It was a pretty tragic situation. Uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people were getting sick and tens of thousands were dying. It, it was a tragic situation. Uh, now, New York City, their surge seems to have decreased. They've got it fairly under control. 
and by under control, I mean there's not a, a huge rise, although I haven't watched the news today, so I can't answer that question if they're on the rise again. I think they're increasing a little bit, as is huge portions of the country. But, you know, we shut down all over the country in late March, mid-late March till April-ish, depending upon where you live. I'm in Georgia, and in Georgia we shut down, I think it was second, third week in March, and we opened up pretty early in April. We were one of the first, if not the first, state to start to reopen up. And then shortly after that, weeks later, people were reopening everywhere in a lot of places, (laughs) Uh, If you've watched the news, you watched a governor of Florida who said, it didn't come here, we're not New York, and then all of a sudden, boom, they're getting hit terribly down there. But there's one thing that I did look at on the national level and specifically in the Georgia numbers, and I noticed something. The cases are skyrocketing. I mean, if I bring up Georgia just from today, uh, you know, the cases are when we were at the height in April, there were like 950 confirmed new cases in a day. And just a couple of days ago, there were 2,600 in a day confirmed new cases. So, you know, the numbers are skyrocketing, even in Georgia. Here's the interesting point. The death rate is dropping. The number of people dying from it in Georgia specifically is dropping. On a nationwide basis, the number is continuing to go up, but the death rate itself is dropping. Now, that raises an interesting question because when I look it up online and I look up other states, I'm seeing the same thing. Very high numbers. And by the way, it's not just due to testing. They've had a number of scientists say this. And how you can tell if it's just due to testing, the rising infection rate, is if indeed the percentages of people who test positively drop dramatically, then it's your increased testing is just finding more cases. That's not what's happening here because the rate is increasing in many places. You know, it'll go from below 5% to up to like 9, 10% in some places. And they're testing more, meaning they're finding more, but they're testing more and the rate of people infected is more. Well, that's typical with a virus. Okay, so let's let's step back for a minute and have a look at other viruses we've had over the years. Uh, H1N1, SARS, any of the other ones have come through swine flu years a couple of times. Basically, when they first hit they're fairly severe. The population takes a hit, people get sick, people die. But have you noticed that even if there isn't a vaccine for it, or even if a low percentage of the population gets it, and keeping in mind that they're talking between 40 and 60% effective on their numbers uh, of people who uh, uh, get it, get the vaccine, are immune to any degree, uh, that's still a fairly low percentage of the population who has some form of a artificial immunity to it, yet the death rate drops and the case number drops. Hmm. That is happening with COVID-19. The death rate is dropping. Case numbers are not dropping. They are still increasing dramatically. COVID-19, according to what I've just seen as of yesterday, is 52 times stronger and more uh, infective than is the normal flu. Uh, just by straight numbers, if you do the percentage of people who are exposed and catching it, 52 times stronger. So, yeah, it's hitting. It's having a a demonstrative effect on our economies, on our population. It's taxing the healthcare systems of people who go in. But the death rate is dropping. Even with those numbers, the rate of people, the total number is increasing because you have more people infected. But the rate, how many people die per infection or per 100,000 infections, 
is decreasing. Okay, why is that? Why is there a decrease? You know, first of all, when tests were initially given, they were just given to people who had symptoms of the coronavirus, uh, which means they were going to have a very high percentage of people who were tested coming out positive. Now there's a much larger percentage of people being tested, any symptoms, no symptoms, they're being tested on a regular basis. And there are more cases being found and the percentages are slightly lower, but it's not as low as it should be for any kind of a test of any sort for viral infection. So we still have more people being infected at a higher rate than before, yet our deaths are less than before. Okay, so let's, let's look at that for a second. You know, in some places, the ICU beds are full. I mean, uh, Texas, Houston, a few of the places where there are huge medical centers, uh, South Florida, they're at or near 100%. Some of them are over, and they're shipping patients to nearby hospitals or hospitals out of the area because they can't handle it. They don't have the, the personnel. They don't have the rooms. They don't have the machinery, the capacity to handle the number of people who are going in uh, for COVID issues and having distress and needing an ICU. So, you know... Uh, is there encouraging news here? Is there something we can uh, take from this? Well, the death rate's dropping. Why is that? Why is it the death rate is dropping? Well, let's look at some possible solutions here, and this might give us a glimmer of hope of where we're going to be. Maybe the treatment has gotten better, and that's a real possibility. People who are going in there are getting better care, not because the people before them were bad, but because experience. You know, I mean, healthcare workers and healthcare systems talk to each other. They learned from New York what was working, what wasn't working. You know, uh, what type of therapy was best? How was the patient best handled? Uh, what, you know, medications were given, et cetera, et cetera. What combinations, you know, and those things have a large effect on the outcome. Another possible reason, you know, is that the lower age groups are now being infected before. You know, before it was mainly the older people. I mean, it ravaged through nursing homes. Uh, you know, there was a lot of things going on there. Well, now maybe those groups are taking a more uh, proactive approach to not being infected. Uh, but the younger people, I mean, we all saw news stories of people at bars again and people on the beaches and crowding around and not wearing masks. And so we see in a lot of places a younger population being infected. Well, we know from listening here that although they're not immune, certainly, and although there's no, there's no such thing as no risk, younger people are dying, but the percentages of younger people uh, surviving this are much higher. You know, the younger you are, the healthier you are, the more likely you are to not succumb to this virus. And not that it can't happen, uh, not that people with immune, compromised immune systems or with things that they didn't know they had or some sort of a hidden compromised immune system might not allow this virus to kill them. But for the most part, if a younger population is now being affected, the survival rates are going to be higher. The third possibility is there is an immunity, you know, the herd immunity concept, because so many people have it and have now, and we've heard some reports as of the last few days that, you know, it may be, the infection rate may be 10 times higher than we know. Well, that would mean a large swath of the population has already been infected, 
heredities are fought it off or it's been subclinical and they have an immunity towards it. Well, that makes it harder for the virus to, uh, uh, to take hold. Now, it doesn't, it, it means it should mean it's harder for the virus to spread. We see that's not happening in many places. I mean, maybe it's happening in the places who had these huge, like New York had a huge influx. Maybe they have a, a bit of a herd immunity there. Uh, but obviously in places, you know, Florida, Arizona, Georgia now, um, Cal parts of California, they, they, you know, they're not experiencing a herd immunity from a standpoint of a good portion of their population probably has not been affected. Therefore, you know, they're not seeing a decrease in numbers in the cases. But the survival rate is higher. Hmm. So let's see. It can't really be herd immunity. The age thing is possible and the treatment thing is possible. What other possibilities would be available that would show a decrease in death rate during an increase in case rate? Well, certainly the, the feeling of people that they can survive this will be a factor. Now, you may say, well, I mean, it's all in their mind. No, but it is a factor in the body's defense systems. You know, if you believe you can beat something, you have a better chance of beating it. That's, that's scientifically been shown. When people believe they can do better, they can do better. I mean, if you look at cancer, uh, you know, people believe, you know, years ago, people got cancer. It was a death sentence. Okay, well, now people believe they can survive cancer, and there's a lot of cancer survivors. Look at AIDS. When AIDS first struck, people thought if you got HIV, you die, and a lot of people did. Well, long before there were treatments for HIV, people started surviving longer because they didn't believe they had to die from it. I mean, look at Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson was tested positive with HIV, and then he retired from basketball. He's still going strong today, okay? Uh, and a lot of people are now, you know? So, I mean, not that that wasn't a deadly scourge, but there is something about any kind of an entity that attacks the human population that over time it becomes less virulent, less of a killer entity. I mean, we don't see the bubonic pig running through and killing people right now, you know? Uh, why is that? Well, a lot of it has to do with mutating of a virus. Even in a very minimal form, viruses mutate, and they mutate towards being more effective but less virulent. And, and what I mean by that is this. If a virus strikes a population and it wipes out the entire population, then the virus is done because it has no way to spread. There are no more hosts. So just out of the law of nature, viruses don't want to kill everything. You know, and if we have a defense at all towards it, our defenses are going to adapt as a population and the virus is going to mutate to be able to get more people, but not to kill as many people. That's just the norm. Uh, an exception to that or somewhere where there was no uh, sort of a defense whatsoever. If you look at when Cortez lands in Mexico hundreds of years ago. Right? And he had superior weapons to the uh, Native Americans who were there, the Incas or the, I forget, Myers or Incas who were there, but the Native Americans who were at that point. And he enters, and certainly they, the, his soldiers fight their way in. But in addition to their superior weapons, they had another weapon with them, germs. Germs that the Native Americans had never, ever been exposed to. And because he exposed them to it unknowingly, uh, a huge percentage, I think it was between 80 and 95% of their population would die within a short amount of time, uh, within several years of infecting each other and being infected by his people bringing something they had never been exposed to. Now, 
in a world where people travel all the time and are all over the place, we are exposed to things on a regular basis. We will continue to be so. Whatever comes up next, we will be exposed to it. I am sure many of us listening have been exposed to things that we don't even know we had, but our body fought them off subclinically and we didn't get them. So the virus is mutating and becoming probably less virulent. That doesn't mean it can't mutate and get worse all of a sudden, but that's not the norm. That's not normally what happens. So more people are going to get it, less are going to die from it. The issue that our healthcare systems are, are worried about is, yeah, you infect a lot more people. There are a lot more people going to die. And if they can't get them into the proper healthcare setting and do whatever advanced treatment they're now doing, because I'm sure it's changed from just a few months ago, there are going to be more deaths and you want to avoid that. So you don't want to overtax the healthcare system. You don't want to have it to where there are no ICU beds left because then people are going to be left in the street to fend for themselves with this terrible disease. But as a population, more people are being infected and the rate, not the number, the rate of deaths for infection is decreasing. That's a good sign. Hopefully, as this continues and we go through this pandemic, the number of cases will just out of a normal uh, sense of what happens with viruses, those numbers will decrease. I have a feeling long before we get to where they try to introduce a vaccine, we will have reached a decreasing point and that means we've hit a point of somewhat of a herd immunity, meaning there are less people available to get infected. Therefore, there are less people to, to actually spread the disease. Less people will therefore catch the disease or catch it to where they can be clinically uh, seen to have it. So, you know, hopefully we get to that point quickly. That means a lot more sickness. You know, I mean, uh, this is a stronger virus than has been around in the past. So, you know, you may get it and get sick. Whereas in the past, if you got something, you didn't even show a sign or a symptom whatsoever. You may still have been spreading it to some degree, but you didn't show any signs or symptoms. This one is stronger, no question about it. Are there people catching it who probably are totally asymptomatic? Well, we know that's happening. Will there be more of those? I believe there will be. As more and more people catch it, as the virus mutates, as a species, our defenses get better. I believe we'll see more and more people testing positive with no symptoms whatsoever as the population is younger that is being infected with this. That's going to be the case. Now, that doesn't mean we still don't take precautions. It doesn't mean we still don't do things to kind of help ourselves. You know, one of the things that we noticed here is for some strange reason, it became a political basketball, volleyball, whatever sport you happen to like, became a political thing to either decide to wear a mask, not wear a mask, social distance, not social distance, you know, it really shouldn't matter in the United States what political party you are in, what you ascribe to, as to what you do for health. And if you are young and healthy and you say, well, I don't need to do those things, you are probably right when it comes to your own health. You may not be right when it comes to family members. You know, we look at things way too absolutely when it comes to health in this particular disease process. You know, we look at it as either we should or we shouldn't. Well, you know what? There's always a gradient. I'm either going to catch it or I'm not. Uh, that's not the case either. There's a great, your defense system is not on or off. Your defense system is much more like a rheostat turning on a light. If the light is on at 100%, you probably can't catch anything. 
but most people's light is dimmed just a little bit in some way, some more than others. The problem is you really can't see it. I mean, some people know their immune system's compromised, but think of a dimmer switch in a room. You walk into a room, you don't know if that light's on at 100% or if it's slightly less. You just don't know. And then somebody goes to the switch, turns the dimmer up. Oh, it actually can be brighter. Or, nope, that's as bright as it is. That's at 100%. You don't necessarily know if your defense systems are at 100 or less. And if you're young and you're in pretty good shape and you think you're nice and healthy, maybe your defense system's at 95%. And maybe it would take a defense system of 60% or lower, you know, to be able to succumb to the COVID. Okay, well, great. Chances are you could take less precautions and not get sick. But maybe the parents or your grandparents that you're visiting or the neighbor, their defense system might be at 60%, might be at 50%. And you breathe this stuff in, it tries to flourish a little bit in your lungs, you don't get sick, and then you spew it out, and they only need a little bit to get sick. Now, by the way, one virus jumping into your system down your lungs is not going to make you sick. It's, exp it's exposure to a lot. So maybe, and I'm going to pick a number out of randomness, maybe 100 parts per million is enough to get sick. Who knows? Maybe it takes 10,000 per million. I don't know what the number is. That's not my, my area of expertise. But let's just pick a fantasy number of 100 parts per million. And as a young adult, you breed some of this in, it grows, and you're spewing it out at 60 parts per million. Well, you're talking to your grandmother, that might not be enough for them to get sick. Maybe they need 100 parts per million because their resistance system is only at 60%. Okay, they're not going to get sick. But if two of you are talking, now you've increased it to 120 parts per million in the air, and now their system can't handle anything over 100, their resistance system is at 60% of their capacity, boom, they can get sick. Basically, what I'm suggesting here is even if you're healthy, do things to protect others who are not. Okay, what are the simple things here? Social distancing is one of them, you know. I mean, do you ever walk in? Now, I, I, I'm a lifelong non-smoker. I've never smoked, okay? And I have patients come into my clinic, and they're smokers. And whether or not they've smoked in the car on the way to see me or whether or not they were doing it at home, when they come in and they're just talking normally, within seconds I can smell it in the air. And it's coming out of their lungs, you know, and we have people who, who many times, you know, they smoke a cigarette until they get into the door and they put it right out of the door and then they come in and they think everything's cool. Well, everybody in that building just smells the smoke uh, and it is strong. But even if they were smoking an hour ago, you can kind of smell it. You know, they can do whatever they want as far as putting stuff in there or, you know, breath fresheners, but you can smell the smoke. Okay, well, they're spreading air particles that you can smell the smoke. They're also spreading the ones you can't smell, virus particles. It's in the air. So when you think about that, think about going into a room with somebody who smokes, who's not smoking at that moment, but you can smell it. That's an indicator. You can smell something, all right? Those same particles, if they're carrying a virus, are in the, are in the air. You're ingesting that. You're inhaling that. So, you know, you put on a mask, by the way, you can still smell the smoke. It might be a little bit reduced, but you can still smell it. And a mask is not 100%. I have people, I see this all the time online. Oh, you're breathing through a mask. It's, it doesn't block the virus. You know what? It doesn't block a lot of the virus. You're right. Okay? But if grandma only needs 100 parts per million, and that blocks 10 of them, and now you only put out 90, and it's not enough for grandma to get sick from, it was worth it, 10%.
if the mask does 30%, it was worth it for grandma. You know, and a mask, I think, are a little more effective than that. And they say, oh, well, you, you know, if you're breathing into a mask, you're just creating germs in that mask and you're breathing them in and out all day. Yeah, but keep in mind, those are your germs. They came from your lungs in which the concentration is much higher than in your mask. So that's not too much of an issue. And if that bothers you, change the mask regularly. If it's a washable one, have a couple of them and rotate them out. If it's the throwaway ones, throw them out and get another one. Uh, masks are much more available now than, in fact, there's a whole cottage industry on that right now. Masks with designs on it and all kinds of fun stuff. But you know what? Hey, do it. Uh, you know, I'm not a big believer, and I think my resistance system, especially because of my healthcare situation, is going to be just fine. But I put it on because I don't want to take the chance that I come into my office and spew stuff on people in my office and my patients who I know are immune compromised, who I know are in a weakened state, who I know if this thing beset them, that that would probably be it for them. So I don't want to take the chance of spreading it to my patients. I wear a mask everywhere in public. You know, now that doesn't mean I'm, when there's nobody around that I'm outside, I'm going to be wearing one. I'm in a store, I'm wearing one. I'm in a, re you know, I don't really, haven't done much in the way of restaurants. I think we went one time to a restaurant that had some social distancing and, you know, I wore the mask except to put food in my face. But uh, other than that, you know, I go in to buy supplies, mask on. Groceries, mask on. In my office, mask on. Even if probably about 30% of my patients are not wearing a mask, I am. Because that patient may be healthy, may not have any problem, may not have the virus, uh, but they may be spreading it from someone who does. I don't want it into my lungs and then turn around and give it to the 90-year-old who I'm about to see, who if it just a small amount got to them, it would cost them their life. So yeah, why not uh, use things that are you know, good for the population, even if it's not going to affect you? Uh, washing. Yeah, that's a simple one. It's not a bad thing to do anyway. Wash your hands a lot. You know, I'm not a big fan of, uh, of uh, you know, the uh, hand sanitizer stuff, but I'm using it a whole lot more than I ever have in the past because I don't want to risk other people. You know, but there are other things you can do to burst your personal immunities that will help you. You know, obviously food, exercise, overall health measures, in my opinion, like chiropractic, making sure your nervous system works, which controls your immune system. But immunity is your best defense overall. You know, there are lots of things you can do that help your system, that help your body, you know, that help you fight it off. The things that you do to help other people are the things that you do in public, such as the mask, such as social distancing, such as washing. You may be strong enough to fight off every attack of COVID or anything else. I, you know, most of our population actually is. But with so many people, you know, testing positive, and that doesn't mean they're becoming sick with it. Although the more sick people you have testing positive, even if the percentage is low, I mean, the people who are testing positive and a fair amount of them have it or uh, getting symptoms or getting sick, that's going to overwhelm the health care system. And keeping in mind, there's a lot of our pop. I mean, look what happened to the, the you know, the, the nursing home population. Those poor people, they didn't start the problem. People from the outside who were younger and healthier, who were assisting them, who worked in those places, brought it in with them. Maybe they were never even symptomatic, but the people in the nursing home got ravaged 
and thousands of them died. That's unfortunate. You know, I mean, look at how many people are being tested positive in prisons. Now, depending upon their health statuses, a number of them are going to get sick, a number of them are going to die. Maybe their health status might be a little stronger than people in nursing homes, but still, take the precautions necessary to protect other people, not you necessarily. You may be fine. You know, I personally don't think I'm going to have an issue here. You know, I'm older than, you know, than a lot of people probably listening to this. I'm 64 years old. I think my immune system is really strong, right? But I don't expect to have something happen to me. But you know what? I have a lot of patients in their 90s. I haven't seen my mother personally. She lives in Florida. I usually go visit her. My mom's 89. And I know her immune system's not that strong. So you know what? I, I come in contact with a lot of people. And even with a mask, I'm waiting it out just a little bit longer before I go down and say, hi, mom. I call her all the time, but I just don't get to go see her as much. So if there is one silver lining here from what we've just talked about today, it's that if the death rate is dropping, the number of people infected is going up, the percentage of people who are dying from it is dropping, there are only a couple of reasons for that. One is that it is a younger population, like we mentioned, that is getting this thing and they are less likely to succumb to it. But probably the most likely, and certainly a large portion of it, is that the virus itself is mutating. Something to be less virulent so that it doesn't kill as many people. Now, how do you prove that? All you can do is look at the numbers. I mean, you know, can you sit down and dissect the virus? I don't believe anybody can do that. But if you look at the numbers, you can see that the percentage of people who are getting the sickness don't die. Some of it's due to age, but I'm guessing it's not all due to age. I'm guessing the virus is starting to decrease in its strength. Don't doesn't mean we let down our guards. Doesn't mean we get stupid about it. You know, we take reasonable precautions, but it also does not mean we necessarily, other than the fear for overwhelming our healthcare system in certain areas, have to completely shutter our economy again. I don't think that's something we need to be doing right now if we take the proper individual responsibilities and do the things we need to do to strengthen our own resistance systems and to protect others who may not have a, a strong enough resistance system. So the one silver lining is, hey, this is a terrible thing, but the death rate's dropping. All I can suggest is do what's necessary to help yourself, to keep your resistance system stronger, take the personal protections necessary, but also do what's necessary to protect others. It's not a small sacrifice to protect others in case someone else's life gets sick. You won't know about it. You may not know that you saved, you know, Mary Jane's life up the street, you know, who you just glancingly said hello to because you were doing the right thing. But, you know, if there's a possibility that's the case, do it. Hopefully, in a very short amount of time, and, and by short amount of time, virology, I mean a couple of months, we may start to see a decrease in the total number of cases because not only will people, you know, have gone through this, if a high percentage of our population has gone through it, the virus is going to have a tougher time spreading. But as it continues to weaken, like the other viruses that we've seen seasonally, even though this one's so much stronger, I think we can start to see a decrease. And hopefully if our healthcare system's up to it, they won't be overwhelmed. And hopefully the light at the end of the tunnel is that just because it's the natural, normal thing to do, it'll weaken enough 
to where we won't have to be as crazy about it as we are now and when we can start to go back to some semblance of normality again. I'm really looking forward to that, and I'm sure you are too. So that was my rant for today, and thank you for listening to Health Rants. You have been listening to Health Rants. My name is Dr. Bob Braille, and I've been your host. Subscribe to this podcast and join us for future rants on a large variety of subjects related to health and health care. Thank you for listening to Health Rants. Health Rants is sponsored by Braille Chiropractic. Find out more and listen to previous episodes on our website, www.braillechiropractic.com. That's B-R-A-I-L-E chiropractic.com. The opinions on this podcast are meant to encourage discussion on healthcare issues and are not meant as specific medical or healthcare advice. You should only seek health advice from your healthcare professionals. This has been Health Rants.